This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Good morning to everyone here this morning. And we're going to be talking today about the whole concept of, of what it means to actually step into joy. And I've thinking a lot about this story. And again, as I've said to many of you, you know, it's interesting as a pastor because you step into it again and again and again, invite is this. I ask you today to think about inhabiting the story, right? It's been a little chilly this week. Could I get an amen on that? Amen. All right, so, so I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm under the blankets. I've got about four of them and I'm feeling all warm and cozy. cozy. Are there a few better feelings in the world? No, there just aren't. And I feel that way so much of these stories and and so much of this this beautiful, beautiful depth in these stories is is some people, they just want to do it at the surface, which is like laying on the bed blankets and wondering, why am I not warm? And maybe we can actually get under the blankets, inhabit the story, really seeing it in its wonder. And what is it supposed to be telling us? In our particular journeys of faith, everyone different, but in a certain sense, everyone the same. December 25th. Getting ready for this series, I was listening to why they picked December 25th. For those of you who don't know, it never says in the Bible, celebrate Jesus' birthday on December 25th, year zero. Doesn't say that. This is why they chose it. They were trying to pick a time. The Western forefathers of Christianity were trying to pick a time of year. They could say, look, let's find a place that encapsulates this, encapsulates what this is all about. And so they felt like, look, it's really important to see this story as a movement from darkness. I want the first time attenders to notice how bright my congregation is. From darkness to light. See how smart they are? From darkness to light. From darkness to light. So they said, we know when the winter solstice is, December 21st. What happens? Somebody just shout it out. What starts to happen after December 21st? Days get longer. In other words, it begins with L. The light increases. So they said, look, we've got this beautiful story of resurrection. Those of you who aren't aware of it, come back Easter. Come back Easter. Now, the story of resurrection is real simple. Christ died, and how many days later, folks? Three days later, there's this beautiful story of resurrection. 21 plus 3 equals 24. Christmas Eve, the birth of Christ. Is that good? Isn't that great? Like, they're trying to capture that that feeling. Like, look, folks, we want want people to get this light so much that we're going to incarnate it into our calendar. Now, we, in these, this day and age, we don't think much of a difference between the 21st and the 22nd. At least I don't. I didn't even know that's when the winter solstice was. But it certainly mattered to them. And that was part of this journey of faith, the journey that we ask, you know, that you help us inhabit here today. And that's why we light today a third candle which is the candle of joy. And we have to realize, folks, how significant that joy is. Like these candles are supposed to build on each other. Hey, hope, 
faith and joy, that if you start to allow hope to move in your life, if you start to allow faith to move in your life, which in the new church we regard as the eye of love, you allow those things to start to grow, you're going to end up feeling a lot of, please say it with me, that J word, you're going to end up being able to feel a lot of joy. Be able to feel a lot of joy. And it's interesting because in my mind, maybe this is the candle we most need to recapture in Christianity. If I was to ask most people what they thought of religion or Christianity, do you think joy would be in their top three? Probably not. But that's what we can rediscover again and again and again. That's why we come back to the story so many times. And we can remember this. Joy is remembering. Can we say that together? Joy is remembering. Now I want to show you, you know, sort of how that can hear them having a little fun out there in kids' life. Joy is remembering. Look at this picture, folks. This is from a, from a few weeks back. I grew up out in western Pennsylvania, and this is a church that was actually built on our original family farm. What I remember where this church was built, that's where the cow pasture was, but now it's a church, and I get invited back there on occasion to go back. Uh, you know, Josh was singing about the prodigal son, so I get invited back on occasion to preach there. And I have dear old friends from out there, and you see Bill and Carol Cronin. You see the couple giving a hug right in the middle? This is a picture from their 50th wedding anniversary. 50 years. Do you think all those years were easy? No, no. But can you see the joy there? Yes. All joy is remembering. C.S. Lewis. These beautiful threshold moments of which Christmas is one where we get to see the way life has sort of shaped and moved. And I'd ask us for today to take the perspective of one of the heroes of this story this Christmas story, a man by the name of Joseph. And I want you to kind of inhabit the story and see how he kind of holds the whole thing, holds the whole thing. Taking what could have been really dire, literally deadly circumstances and with great hope, with great faith, and with what I would argue great joy, continue to move the story forward. Now, the way this story starts is Joseph is engaged, and on his, he's engaged, and his wife-to-be, Mary, comes to him and says, guess what? I'm pregnant. Probably not what he wanted to hear at that moment. And not only that she was pregnant, but that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and that God, God had ordained her to bring forth the Messiah, Jesus, who was going to save his people. That's a lot to hold for somebody who was probably 16, 17, maybe as old as 18 years old. So we're going to do a set of readings, hear a number of things, and sort of walk through this beautiful story of Joseph. Now, I'm blessed to be part of a number of small groups, one of which is the dad's small groups. They're actually going to be doing the readings today. So you'll hear these mysterious male voices coming from out in the audience. Those are members of the dad's group. So our first reading will be from Bob. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we see that very beginning of the story. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, but you want you to notice with that, he did not make it about him. It doesn't say Joseph was so embarrassed he couldn't tell mom and dad. It doesn't say anything about that. It says he cared for her, cared for her to the degree that he felt like he had to protect her reputation. And that was so important, folks, because to have a child out of wedlock was a capital offense. In other words, you could have been stoned to death for that. So here he is, and his love is so great that he's able to hold and say, no, I'm going to trust this. I'm going to make sure that, that we have a quiet divorce and that things just take care of themselves. This is what he had in mind. Now, I'm going to jump back and forth real quick between two carpets. Had in mind what he had in mind, what he thought in his own head, what he believed, what he rationalized, the process that he thought, which actually in a, in a certain sense made a lot of sense. But then he's put back over into this place. And take a look at this painting up here. He's put back over into this place. Had in mind and then he's given a dream, had his own plan, and then is given a dream. And in this dream, he's given this beautiful vision by this angel of, no, you're actually to take her. You're actually eventually to marry her. She's actually going to have a son, and you're to call his name Jesus. These are the things that you are to do. And I imagine in his head, you know, as he's hearing this beautiful dream, this beautiful dream, folks, and the dream says this, please, please, please listen. The dream says this, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, there's details in there, but the overarching dream is that Joseph or you, it's gonna be okay. I know what you have in mind. And here's a dream dream to sit with and inhabit, a dream to actually live into. There's little doubt in my mind as well that what starts going through his mind are these ancient prophecies. See, much of the Old Testament, the Bible is filled with what's called prophecy. In other words, people saying the Messiah will come, the Messiah will come, these are the signs, this is what will happen. Many of those go back to a book called Isaiah written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before this story. He would have known it well. He would have memorized. Again, it was an oral tradition. Now listen to some of the prophecies as Andy reads. Andy? The idols will totally disappear. On that day, they will throw away their idols of silver and gold. So let's just look at that part, folks. See, so, so the first part of that, these prophecies from my day, it says, it says all those things that you consider really super critical, silver and gold, all those things that you're worshiping, they're actually turning you away from love and peace, from what these candles represent, from all that, those things that are, that are pulling your attention away, they're actually going to go away. And don't see that punitively. See that as, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because I sense, we sense, something in our lives that's starting to move and shift. 
And then the prophecy goes on. And you literally have to think about how the big gulp he would have made hearing this next part of the prophecy. Go ahead, Andy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Can you just imagine going, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. I mean, just incredibly beautiful lines where, where he would have seen himself living into this prophecy. And don't forget, folks, with the same assurity, God seeks for something to be born in all of our lives too. In all of our lives. Something new something precious, something that can change our lives, that can, that can just create something that, that we can't even imagine today, where we've moved away from certain things and moved into true life, into real life. And then the story goes on. Next, we're going to hear from Eddie Steiner. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And it goes on. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So the story goes on, and this baby is born, and we see this birth within the darkness. Again, and you could do a whole sermon around like no room at the end. That's kind of a fun one, a fun one to do. But we see again this, this constant growth, this, this, this path that he's being led on, where, where in a certain way, it's not just, I need you to overcome this one thing. It's just, it's a path that is filled is filled with what appears maybe like many, many challenges. And when we look at that, folks, I think this is where we start to get the concept of joy. See, in this Christian denomination, New Church, we believe that God came on earth in one of the darkest time periods of mankind. Incredibly dark period of mankind. And in my mind, if I'm thinking that there's darkness, I want to see the new sheriff run in with more law and order into town. Because that's me. But that's not how he came in. New church, we talk about this image of God that's presented, an image of God with arms wide open. Can we say that together? Arms wide open. arms wide open as an infant 
and as an adult. The opposite of darkness was that image of God, not as an avenging superhero, but as an infant and later as an adult with arms wide open. And as the band comes out, and Bob's gonna share a little thing here as well, we start to learn as well this. God gives us a path, not an obstacle course. That's when I would take a picture with my phone, amen. God gives us a path, not an obstacle course. So that memory back to like that very special Christmas, like what Christmas can be. And again, I think we have to hold a couple of ideas here. One, please, 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 please hold. Life is a path, not an obstacle course. I remember reading something that was, was profound to me and, and um, was an author saying, well, well how do you know how do you know what Christianity is all about? And, and this author said, you'll know it when you've met, really met a Christian, which is kind of an interesting way to say it. Because it's not meeting someone who's all self-assured, certain, uh, judgmental. I don't think so. I don't, I don't believe that. The people I know who get the message that we're talking about, their lives have a quality of joy to them. And again, I don't think Christians have a monopoly on it. I think many groups, many groups from many spiritual paths lead to that same joy. And it is truly remarkable because I think if you wake up every morning and your first list are all the obstacles for the day, how happy are you going to be? Not so much. I've known people who like everything that happens in their life is one more obstacle, one more burden, one more stone to carry around in an ever-growing sack. You cannot have joy that way. You cannot have joy that way. The challenge is, of course, is that when we get like that, we will find other people to go, yeah, it's all an obstacle course. And church is there in just one sense, maybe just for today, to remind us, no. When we look at stories of Joseph, we get that it's a path. And we get this very, very important idea. I take a picture of this one too. Please say the R word with me. All joy, all joy reminds. So just, just picture yourself again, like, like Joseph, like how he would have ended up seeing his life in these different snapshots. Seeing his life like this as he's trying to figure out what to do with Mary who's, who's pregnant and here are her parents. Seeing his life like this, having to go to, to, on a journey, Bethlehem, she's pregnant, she's nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant or so, you know, and they're on this hard journey. And then coming to the end, coming to the end and like, there's no room in the end. Now, now part of me feels like by this point in time, again, he would have said, you're kidding, by this sort of time, maybe it would have been funny, you know, because like, of course, Mary, there's no room in the end. What else would there be? The way things seem to be going for us. And then he delivered the baby.
He delivered the baby. So imagine that. And imagine what he saw after he delivered that infant. All joy reminds. At that moment, when he first held that baby, no doubt in my mind, it all fit, it all belonged. He understood there was a path, not an obstacle course. Can you feel the joy there? Can you? Like, wow. There is joy in that moment. Manuel Swedenborg phrases it this way. The whole nature of love is to give joy. The whole, the whole endeavor of love is to pass on this joy. And that is an incredibly powerful perspective to have. I love the way the pastor G.K. Chesterton phrased it. And Joe Valente is going to read that for us. Listen to the way he phrased this about 100 years ago, the very essence of what joy can be. Joe? Humanity is more itself. Humans are more human when joy is the fundamental thing about them. Pessimism is at best an emotional half-holiday. Joy is the uproarious labor by which all things live. We can take our own tears more lightly than we could take the tremendous levities of the angels. <laughs> so we sit perhaps in a starry chamber of silence, while the laughter of the heavens is too loud for us to hear. It's great. That very idea of, of joy, like, imagine this, folks. What if we could actually hear the joy of heaven? What if we could be attentive enough this Christmas to remember and to actually hear the joy of Christmas? Not as something that we'll hear in the future, but something that we can even hear now. In understanding this beautiful question, all joy reminds. What at Christmas does that joy remind us? What at Christmas does that joy remind us? Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to come out into the audience. I'm going to ask if a few of you want to respond to that. Please do. We'll pass around the mic. For our online audience, for our online audience, you're more than welcome to text an answer into me as well. What is it? What at Christmas does that joy, and you can see hearing that joy, actually remind us of? What part of your soul does it speak to? And what does it call forth? So I'm just going to ask for about three or four volunteers. I'm going to come off, get the mic again. Online audience, you're welcome to text it in. All right, so who would bravely like to... Hello. Um, I know that I am loved. Reminds, I know that I am loved. What's another one, folks? All of us are born into that love. Each of us 
and we're innocent and helpless to begin with. And as the light dawns, we just grow into that light and love. That's so good. So born into that love. You know what the word innocence means in Latin? Unwounded. Isn't that good? You're that unwounded part. That there is a more perfect and beautiful plan for each of us than we could ever begin to comprehend. That's so good. That's so good. Amen, sister. <laughs> that idea of, of there's, there's something out there that we can't even imagine. And, and just imagine, folks, like the joy you get from offering something somebody so good they can't even imagine. Right? I am killing it with my wife's Christmas present this year. Just so you know, don't tell her. <laughs> All right? Well, I've never had this remind me of Christmas before, but just watching that, the first birth I ever saw was on a haystack outside under the stars next to a stone well with a fire for light. And that changed the course of our lives from that moment forward. Mm. Mm. Seeing that miracle, right? That miracle of birth, that miracle of birth. Folks, those are the joys that we're to pay attention to at Christmas. That's where we understand that all joy in the end reminds. Now, I want you to give a warm round of applause as I come back on stage to two people. One is the dad's group for reading, and two, all those people for answering. You have to love the idea that all joy reminds. And, and again, I love that someone said the word perfect. There's something more perfect out there. All perfect love drives out fear. Perfect in the Hebrew sense. I've said this before, but it's so important. We have some first-time people here. Perfect in the Hebrew sense means winter, spring, summer, and fall means even this last Tuesday was beautiful. And love. The word there is agape. Love that is willing to sacrifice of itself. Perfect, able to have seasons to it. And agape, able to be self-giving through all of that. Indeed, beautiful. So I want to show you a video now. Just to drive this home. Simple concept. All joy reminds. Take a look at this video. Finally tonight, the best presents don't come with price tags and they don't require batteries. Steve Hartman with a lesson in the holiday spirit on the road. When Santa showed up at Tar River Elementary near Raleigh, North Carolina, Y'all been good? he not only brought gifts, go ahead and open it. He brought every second grader the exact toy they'd asked for in their letters. Did everybody get what they wanted? Ah, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> every kid, that is, but Bethany Arnold, who refused to ask him for a single toy. Dear Santa, my daddy is in Iraq. Could you bring him home, home for, for Christmas? Christmas? That would be the best gift of all. Did you know you were asking for something that was kind of tough? Mm, yes, but, well, it's tough to go around the world in one night. That's true. And I've never wanted anything more than that.
Bethany's dad, Wendell Arnold, is a contractor in Iraq. He's been working on that country's much-needed electrical infrastructure. I understand that he has to stay and help people. She's only seen him two weeks in the last two years. But I do miss him a lot. Last time they saw each other, while he was on leave in Germany, they exchanged these keychains. This is his heart. She carries his while he holds on to hers. I told her, I said, the next time that I see you, I'll, I'll give your heart back. Unfortunately, bringing two hearts together at Christmas isn't always a government priority, which is why this year Bethany decided to appeal to a higher authority. Santa. She even asked him again at school. Santa, for Christmas, I want my dad to come home. And that's when her wish began coming true. That's when she got her heart back. And that's when this Santa revealed to all of us the true meaning of Christmas. Daddy! There's not a toy in the workshop that ever got this kind of reaction. You sure you don't want something else? Just so happy that you're home. Not a bow big enough to wrap the joy. Steve Hartman, on the road, near Raleigh, North Carolina. Anchors aren't supposed to cry, but if they did, for all of us at CBS News all around the world, Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. All joy reminds. Let this be a season where that joy reminds you of what is truest and most precious in your life. And you think, folks, about how moving that is, and you go to that part of your heart that was moved, that part that probably got a little teary. That's where God's being born. Right there. In that place. This Christmas. Could I get a very gentle amen? What we're going to do now, folks, is this is our last week, actually, of offering prayers. So for those of you who are here for the first time, what we do is we invite people up. They can fill out a card wishing for a prayer. And you can think about the theme of joy, a place where you may pray for joy this Christmas or a prayer to be reminded of something this Christmas season. You write it out and then you put it in the lighted bowl here. And then I'm going to say those prayers. I'm going to pray those prayers this week. You know, adding in my little two cents to your five cents worth of prayers. As we pray together, about the kind of world that we can create, both in our marriages, our relationships, our, our families, our connectedness, and our world. And that's how we're going to close today. You're also welcome. If you'd like to come over, I'll be over here. If you'd like to say a prayer with me, I will be over here. And then I have one big favor to ask. Somebody has to shout out, what is it? Please join us on the last song. It's going to be great. We've got this guy, Josh, singing with some people like Rebecca who are pretty darn good. And, uh, you know, I'd love for us all to sing this last song together. So we're going to have some background music. Again, welcome to come down, fill out a card, then I'll be down to pray with you. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And, Lord, help us in offering prayers, prayers of blessing and gratitude and joy, 
prayers that understand that life is indeed a path, not an obstacle course. And that all joy, all joy reminds. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 